Welcome to the Best Science Medicine Podcast, BS without the BS. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 516th episode of the Best Science Medicine Podcast. My name is James McCormack, and I am a professor with the Faculty of Pharmaceutical Sciences at the University of British Columbia. I'm Mike Allen. I'm a family doctor and the director of practice support at the College of Family Physicians of Canada. I'm also an adjunct professor at the U of A. And today on the podcast, we have a guest who has been a peer member for, I think, five years now. We're coming up on five years. Um, and Nick was our sole representative from Quebec. Nick, can you introduce yourself? What do you mean, was? <laughs> yeah, well, I think, Emily, I think Emily might qualify now. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. She, she's yeah. from friends, though. Yeah. Or, and, and, yeah. you're, and you're being... I, I think you're being... Would that be racism? Because <laughs> we both speak French? I, I hope not, but I... <laughs> no. What, my, I what Mike was so. saying was you're fired after the podcast. That's okay, cool. great. Great to know. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, morning, guys. Uh, my name is Nick Degray. I'm a pharmacist in Montreal in the primary care team. I'm also a professor at the Faculty of Pharmacy at the University of Montreal. And I also host a podcast in French, which is basically a, a French copy of your podcast. Well, feel free awesome. to, feel free to, you can, what's, what's the name of it? Pharmascope. 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 I don't know. <laughs> you don't know the name. Okay. That, no. no, no. I mean, in English. So no, no. yeah, Pharmascope. <laughs> what we'll do is we'll put a link to it for, uh, for the people who are, who can speak French because uh, that would not <laughs> include me. Yeah. Uh, so we, we previously had Nick on to talk about masks uh, way back when COVID was a thing. and um, When we, we weren't sure if masks were of any use. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. We so, sure. so we thought the, 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 the next thing that we should talk about uh, was birth control because they, they are so well linked. Yes. And, uh, uh, and, I, and actually, I looked back recently on the tools of practice. We haven't done a ton of birth control uh, podcasts. We've done uh, uh, just a, a few, a few uh, months ago. We did a, on when can you take IUDs out, and you know can they last, can you keep them in a couple more years if needed? But we haven't done a lot of stuff. So Nick, this uh, you guys decided to do one on on a long acting uh, uh, contraception. Yeah, yeah. So we did a tool on Nexplanon. Uh, I know we don't like to use the brand names, but it's just a bit weird to use the generic name because yeah. it's uh you know so i might say next to non a few times that that's okay uh, we we on a case uh, i think mikey knows as well as i do that sometimes you just have to use the brand name unfortunately yeah. otherwise especially people have, combination products yeah things like this that are devices in a sense too so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so yeah we did a tool we published it in may um i wrote it with uh two colleagues uh jess kirkwood with who is a peer member mm -hmm. with us and Nidhi Chaksi, uh, I'm sorry, Nidhi, if I mispronounce your name. Um, I believe she's now a pharmacist, but at the time she was a student who worked on a first version of the, the tool, basically. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So what, so was, what was your question, Nick? What was the question here that was uh, basically well, doesn't work, right? But <laughs> yeah, so the question was, uh, is Nextanon, which is a, a nitinol gestural implant, uh, so a long-acting, uh, reversible hormonal contraceptive. We'll say LARC from now on. I think, Mike, you're, uh, you're new to the acronym LARC. I what the acronym? LARC. So long-acting, yes. reversible contraception. That Yeah, that is way easier than Nexplanon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so LARC include a few things. So now Nexplanon, they also include IUDs. 
And I guess some could say it includes um, the injection of medroxyprogesterone. It's every three months. So is that long acting or not? Not sure. But uh, so, yeah. Um, fun fact, maybe. When the tool was uh, translated in French, the LARC acronym became the CRAP acronym. <laughs> and I, 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 I love it. Really, I love it. So th- the actual title of the tool in French is the CRAP song. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so and, and hopefully that is another another peer success story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I've started to translate the tools since then, actually, because, uh, yeah. You also uh, published one recently. It's one, In English, it's to peer, not to pee. It's about uh, prostate problems. Yeah. And in French, it would translate in uh, to pee on the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway. And so, it, it, uh, yeah, we did a tool on Nexplanon. And our question was, is Nexplanon... Uh, how would you compare Nexplanon to other, well, basically to IUDs, to be honest, because we, we don't think it's very useful to compare directly to pills or patches or stuff like that, because it's different mm-hmm. clientele, uh, clientele, I would say. Um, so, yeah, that was our question. How does it compare to other LARPs? And, and can I ask you, I, this is so outside my my zone of knowing anything, which is not unusual for most of the podcasts, but... What, what, what percentage of, of uh, women go for these the longer acting versus just the pill uh, birth control? That's a very good question, actually, James. I have no numbers on end right now, but I, I would definitely say it's more common uh, than it was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember sure. when I started practicing about 10 years ago or something, um, we would still hear stuff like IUDs are are not, you know, should be used with caution in uh, younger women, mm-hmm. in uh, uh, nilparous women. In, you know, there were a few things you would hear all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I think things changed. And now IUDs are commonly used in women of any age. And, you know, it's, it's definitely more common than it was, for sure. For sure. What, what's, what was but your experience? I absolutely have no numbers for you. What, Mike, with your experience, what would, what would you say? Same thing. Yeah, it's it's changed. It used to be you would, uh, it was such a select group that you would consider them for, and then that broadened. Um, marketing was good. The idea of having something that you didn't have to worry about having less periods—that was the hope that came with it. Mm-hmm. And there were so many things that really drove IUDs to. Um, well, I would say it it's effective. It, it is. Yeah, it is effective. Very, yeah. very effective. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. So, so yeah. what was the what, what what the evidence that you found there, Nick? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Would you like me just to say a few things about the the, the product itself? Sure. Yeah. Please do. Because I, I I guess most people, well, I don't know some people might not be comfortable with the the actual thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, so yeah, no. next to none is a is a an implant. Um, older people might remember the um, Norplant, James. I guess. Oh, well, that's very kind of you to put me in that category. But yes, I do remember it. <laughs> In fact, I have I, I I have two or three of them inserted right now. Yeah, to oh, prevent okay. heart disease. Yeah, yeah, right yeah, thing. exactly. Great. So Norplant was available in Canada in the nineties. I hear mm-hmm. um, was removed from market in two thousand and two for I'm not sure why. I'm under, I, I don't know if uh, you guys remember because I wasn't there. Yeah. But uh, my understanding is there were some 
worries, but that were not justified in the end, and it was removed uh, anyway. Yeah, I, I don't remember at all. Do you, Mike? No, I remember. I remember um, uh, learning about it and uh, seeing patients who've had it, but yeah. I don't remember why it stopped. Yeah, I don't no. like it was so rare. It mm-hmm. was a rare intervention. So anyway. So uh, Norkland was removed from market. And then a few years later, uh, later in other countries, um, a new thing came out. It was Implanon. And Nexplanon is basically just an updated version of Implanon. So, um, it was the next version, Nexplanon. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Very clever, wow. Mike. Yeah, I know. Clever. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's basically the same thing. So it's not a new product. At all, it's been used for more than 15 years in different parts of the world, including the U.S. Um, the next planon is just an updated version of Implanon, as it is radio opaque, so you can actually find it on an X-ray if you lose oh, it. Okay. Which is quite smart because uh, it was an issue with the uh, older implants. <laughs> yeah, fishing so, them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now you can find them more easily. Um, it comes in a in a device and it's and. Insertion device that looks like a, I don't know, a staple maybe. A stapler, like yeah. Um, so it's, I mean, I've never inserted any. Obviously, I'm a pharmacist, but it, it's apparently very easy to use and to uh, to insert in, in a woman with the device. It takes just really a minute, okay. um, and yeah, it's ready to use. So very simple stuff. Um, anything else? You would like to know about the device itself or no, no, not really. All right. Um, maybe just, uh, maybe just for your, uh, information, James, it, it's, it's smaller than the ones you have. Oh, good. So you might want to change yours. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> it's about the size of, a um, a matchstick basically. So it's very, very small. Uh, it gets inserted in the, uh, op- uh inner upper arm and it's uh, subdermal. So you can actually feel the thing very easily. It's uh, yeah, I yeah, I, I've got patience with it, and uh, you you can even see it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I've seen I've seen images of it for sure. Yeah. Uh, so James, you asked about efficacy, right? Yeah. Well, just what, what what's the evidence for it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I know Mike likes uh, that kind of literature because apparently to get a new contraceptive approved, you don't need any RCT. Yeah, and and it's an interesting thing because just. Uh, not not everything needs to be studied as an RCT. I, mean, no, I think it, no. you know that's the that's the the cool interesting thing about evidence is that it depends on what the question is is that that you're asking. Yeah, how to I, I, and certainly I just remember Mike reviewing the tool at some point. Yeah, and uh, Mike, you seemed a bit um, I don't know surprised. I guess I was surprised and somewhat disappointed <laughs> to be honest yeah. about the limited evidence. Yeah, yeah, but you'll get into that, I'm sure. Yeah, so the best evidence we could find, and it's not that great, is um, and we we had some arguments on the word to use. I'll call it a, a review for now. I know Mike doesn't like that word. You, I think you went with um, integrated analysis. That's right. Yeah, we did. Uh, <laughs> so it's basically a paper uh, that re- reports results from studies, but it, it, it's in no way systematic. Um, well, it's systematic, Nick, in that it's all the studies the drug company owns. <laughs> well, I, I, I would no, say no, all the studies 
the drug the, company owns and decided to use it. Yeah, company. that's right. Yeah, yeah. I meant to clarify. And wants to share. The ones it doesn't want to share, yeah. uh, it's systematically excluded. <laughs> yeah, probably. So yeah, it's really not that great, but that's what we have. So there's a review published in uh, 2009. Uh, it does include, and again, James, you'll, uh, you'll probably correct me on that, 11 trials. But there are non-controlled trials. So there are basically one-arm trials. So James, I know you, you really like the thing between trials and studies. Well, M Mike's like more, 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 yeah, is more uh, particular about that issue. But, um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, it, I mean, it is important for clarity to talk about, you know, uh, whether it, whether they were, you know, studies or trials. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure what's the right word to use. Mm -hmm. um, so there, they are... Studies, for sure. Uh, are they trials? I don't know. But basically what they did is they enrolled women and they all got the implant. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how we, you would call that, James. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, and it's debatable whether it's a, it's certainly not a randomized controlled trial. And it's, uh, you know, I guess you could make the argument it's a very well-controlled uh cohort study well, that's not there's no control that's the problem. <laughs> no it's a very well and uh, uh, it's interesting so i'm not even using the uh, you're, you're absolutely right mike i'm using the word controlled in a different way than a randomized yeah, it's, yeah absolutely yeah yeah, you're yeah so it's, it's a well managed study yes yeah, well managed well done yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway well so uh yeah so it's anyway. a trial it's a trial in the sense you're subjecting the women to something and that's what is meant by trial in this case but the but there's no control group. So yeah. you're not comparing to anything. You're just taking a group of women who agree to participate in a study, randomize, not randomize, yeah. sorry, giving them the intervention and then following them to see what happens. Exactly. Yeah. So yep. given that, what, would, <laughs> what, what did they find? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh, the thing included 11 studies uh, for a total of uh, almost a thousand women. Uh, maybe a few things to mention. Women had to be between the age of 18 and 40. So officially in Canada, the, the next anon is not indicated in uh, women under 18. Um, in the U.S., it doesn't seem to be the case. Mm. So... Yeah. And those are all... The, 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 the decision about what ages and who can get what and everything is so dependent on, like you said, different countries can have to do different... And who reads laws. it, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. But just to mention it, so m most evidence is on uh, women over 18. Okay. Um, also, a fun fact, in Canada, it's officially not indicated in women over 65, just in case uh, someone... Oh, good. Well, I'm glad they... As a birth control agent. <laughs> just yeah. just yeah. to be clear. So, James, you also, just FYI, you're using it off-label. <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> for, for more than just age. Uh, two, two maybe other things to mention the the participants. Uh, first one is the their weight had to be between eighty and one hundred and thirty percent of their ideal body weight. That is that's so back in the days. I think ideal body weight was more of a thing. Yeah, uh, but I think it's important to mention because we don't have much data on uh, women with obesity or anyway, yeah. you know, uh, a weight over that. And in the the company actually recommends something very very weird. I would say they 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 say something like uh, in women, in obese we, women, um, the thing might become less effective over time, and professionals may consider earlier replacement of the implant. Yeah, yeah. I don't you hate really that. No... I mean, as a healthcare, don't you hate that as a healthcare provider when it says. <clears throat> We don't really know what's going on, but we'll leave it to the doctor to decide. 
to be yeah, responsible. I mean, as if, yeah, as, as if they have a clue about, I mean, how are they supposed to check? Who would I, I know really better? Who would know better than the manufacturer, right? I know. That how well it works due to weight and all that I kind know. of thing. Yeah. So yeah, the exact wording in the monograph is really healthcare professionals may consider earlier replacement. Yeah, or they may I not. Love it. Or they may yeah. not, and yeah. they may consider early one week or four years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, those, those are all that. Those are terms written probably with uh, legal consequences in mind. Oh yeah, for sure. Exactly. But still, I think it's important to keep that in mind. Yeah. For sure. um, and last thing is, uh, women had to have regular menstrual cycles. Okay. Um, and I, again, I think it's important because, uh, as we'll talk about later, uh, the most common adverse event, um, you know, is that. Uh, Irregular bleeding, right? So um, it might be more of a problem in women. Yeah. But it, it's, this is no different than any almost any drug that comes on the market. It's a, usually a very select group of people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. So um, what did they find? Well, they basically find no pregnancy. So <laughs> women were followed uh, for two to four years. Uh, I'm not sure we mentioned it, right? But next madam has to be uh, replaced every three years. Okay. So anyway, so uh, women were followed for two to four years, and uh, overall they found no pregnancy in women using the implant. They still report a pearl index of zero point thirty-four. So I, I guess you guys uh, know about the pearl index, or well, let, let the audience know. I, I'm I'm aware of it for sure. So it, it's really the standard way to report pregnancies in these kind of studies. It's very simple. It's actually the number of pregnancies per 100 women over a year. Right. So the reason why they don't report zero and they do report 0 0.34 is because uh, the FDA, I believe, asked them to actually look at pregnancies for two weeks after the contraceptive metas are, are removed. Hmm. So they did find six pregnancies overall, but all of them are thought to um, have started after the removal of the implant. Interesting, yeah. So very, very effective, Yeah, basically, for sure. And uh, just maybe for a context, a uh, pearl index of a common oral contraceptive mm -hmm. pill would be probably around one. Right. Yeah, so uh, it is very, very effective. Um, uh, th so that was published in 2009. Uh, after that, there's one similar non-controlled study that was looking specifically at Nexplanon. So the other, the other studies were looking at Implanon, but like I said before, it's the same thing basically. So it doesn't make any difference. But uh, in 2012, there was one study looking at Nexplanon and they included about 300 women and again, no pregnancy. So nothing there. And finally, we did find one, one RCT, which compared the implant to um, a levonorgestrel IUD. Um, it, it included about seven and 50 women and they were followed for a year. In women using the implant, there was no pregnancy reported. In women using the IUD, they did report three pregnancies. Hmm. Obviously, the numbers are too low to do any kind of yeah, stat analysis yeah, 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 or yeah, stuff yeah. like that, you yeah. know, but still, it is very effective. Yeah, so it seems, yeah, like I said, uh, don't, don't know how else you describe it other than being very, very effective. Yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah, it def definitely works. But what about yeah. what about adverse effects? Uh, yeah, so it's very tricky to bug to talk about the adverse events, I think, in non-control studies. For sure. Right? Because uh, for some of them, I mean, I have no idea if it's the drug or just the time. Nature. Yeah. Nature. Yeah, just exactly. The way things happen. 
But uh, what was reported in the studies? Uh, well, first of all, obviously local reactions. So during or right after the insertion. So um, some women obviously feel some kind of pain, numbness, uh, bruises and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I guess we would, I mean, we're probably not surprised, right? Yeah. Um, in the review published by the company, they reported the adverse events leading to discontinuation, something we usually like at peer, because mm -hmm. at least it means the, you know, it's it a, yeah, it suggests tolerance, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Tolerance. So um, the most common adverse event leading to discontinuation was irregular bleeding, uh, happening in about 10% of, of women, emotional lability in about 2% of women, weight gain in about 2% again, headache, acne, and depression in about 1% to 2%. Yeah. So yeah. There's no way you could tease that out as being cause and effect at all. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, we did try to look a little bit more about weight gain while doing the tool because it's something, well, we, mm -hmm. we get questions about that all the time sure. from our patients. Mm -hmm. um, so 2% of, of women, um, you know, getting the implant removed because of weight gain in these studies. In the other non-controlled trials, they did report the average weight gain, which was about 1.5 kilo at three years. And I really don't know what to do with that. Because remember, you were taking women between the age of 18 and 40. Mm -hmm. Average age was something like 25. Yeah. And you would follow them for three years. And, and yeah. so on average, they, they would the gain about 1.5 kilo. Yeah, that's right. Could the average person have gained 1.5 kilos? Well, I'm sure I could. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to follow me for the next three years, yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure you could. Yeah, I mean, that's like that. the kind of pattern of, of many of us, right? So... Yeah, it's totally exactly as you said. It's because of the uncontrolled nature of this. You really can't tell. No, exactly. Um, yeah, what, what's happening? And obviously, we don't we don't have any data on you know what 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 would happen if you used it for ten years or fifteen years and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, no. But I'm sure if you were to follow me for ten years, it would be more than that. No, no, yeah, no, no, but. I, no. <laughs> You in specifics, Nick. Yeah, no, but I meant in general. Like, are there are there any you know uh, ca cardiac issues or? Yeah, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding cancer? Yeah, no, no exactly. obviously we we have nothing on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, in the RCT, so remember the RCT yeah, compared yeah. the implant to uh, an IUD. Um, there was more discontinuation due to adverse event with the uh, the implant. So about 27% of women stopped or get got the implant removed before the end of the year, compared to about 20% of women with the IUD, which was uh, stati statistically significant. Um, maybe one thing to mention, guess who founded that RCT? The IUD manufacturer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't know, but still, I mean, there was but something. It, but, but at least it gives you some, some, at least there's a comparator, comparator group in some yeah, so Yeah, you... absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there are also some uh, observational data. There's a, a large observational study from the US, the CHOICE study, and they have actually similar numbers. So they looked at persistence at two years uh, and they did compare the implant with the IUDs. And it was something like um, a 30% rate of discontinuation with the implant and 20% rate of uh, discontinuation with the IUDs. So yeah, there, I mean, there I, might be something there. Yeah, and, and it looks like if you if just looking at the numbers with that RCT, is it, it looks like there might be a bit more bleeding, I guess. Yeah, so that, I mean... But again, that's, again, that's one to... study done by the IUD manufacturers. Yeah, again. But yeah, when we look at the studies, no matter if it was the randomized control one or the other ones, what we seem to observe is the implant 
has a lot of extreme effects on bleedings. So you will actually see more amenorrhea with the implant mm-hmm. compared to the IUD, like mm-hmm. way more. Mm-hmm. So in the RCD was about 30% with the implant and about 10% with yeah. the IUD. But you'll also see more pl- prolonged bleeding and stuff like that with the implant. So what you really don't see often with the implant is what they call normal bleeding patterns. Mm-hmm. So I think what what's to be remembered about that is definitely you can expect some effect on the bleeding patterns of your patients. Right. It might be less bleeding. It might be more bleeding. But in most cases, there might be something. One thing that's interesting in the studies is um, the first three months seem to be very predictive of what's going to happen in the future. Because, yeah. you know, when we start to pill in a, a woman, we usually say, as a, as pharmacists, at least, I don't know about you guys, um, we usually say something, well, in the first months, you might have some spotting or bleeding and stuff like that, but give it at least three months and then mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, in these cases, apparently the first three months pretty much tell me what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, no, for sure. So uh, that so that's great. So we got we know that it's effective. We have some data on um, sketchy data harms. on 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 harms and, and stuff, and certainly no long term uh, numbers. And I, and I think we, we usually we talk about context, but you've talked a little bit about you know that uh, what it looks like and that you know there's training required for insertion and stuff. But there have been, as you said, some uh, sort of cases of of outcomes, uh, I'm just looking at the things, sort of things like pulmonary migration and so on. Do you want to just briefly mention those? Uh, Yeah. So actually when we we published the tool, we got an email from an older colleague. I won't name him, but uh, you might know him as uh, Mike Colbert. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) And I guess he was around when uh, Norplant was a thing in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And he he told us something about, uh, he was worried about losing the implants, basically, uh, in the women. Um, and not being able to you know, move th- it. That's interesting, Nick, because when the, that's the catch, you would either the patients might complain if they could if they could be seen, but that's when we liked it better because you could <laughs> see them mm-hmm. and you, we could get at them if need be. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. like as I said earlier, fish them out because that 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 was always a bit of a catch. Um, the cosmetic stuff of them. So yeah. anyway, that leads into what Mike's going to say. Yeah, so migrations do happen. Um, it's not frequent. I'm not sure what fre- frequent means. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to give you an idea, I mean, obviously, data is evidence are, is not very good about that because it's case reports. Uh, but there was one publication trying to give an estimate, and they ended up with something between one to three cases per per a hundred thousand women. Yeah. And here, I'm not talking just about local migration. I'm talking about pulmonary migration so something definitely more uh which, know, which is I, I, it's quite amazing what the body will try to do you know? yeah that's crazy right yeah, yeah 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 no it's yeah really interesting um another study was interesting looking at that it's called the nora study it's uh, basically a real world study uh a po- post-marketing study i would say uh what they did is they surveyed professionals and they asked them questions about insertion and removal and mm-hmm. how their patients were doing with the implant and stuff like that and overall, out of over 7,000 next on insertions, six implants were lost and never found. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. So never it does found. happen. Uh, in, most case, in, in, mo- in most cases, it does not, and everything's going to be okay. But yeah, it's, 
yeah, uh, there's a risk for sure. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Any, sure. Anything else about uh, benefit nor harms that you can think of? Um, well, there were some cases of, you know, infections and yeah. allergic reactions and uh, long-term uh, pain or neuropathies associated with the uh, the insertion right. and stuff like that. Yeah. But really it's, I mean, overall, the rates of complication um, associated with the insertion and the removal of the thing is somewhere around at 1%. Yeah. Yeah, no. So, I mean, it cl clearly, uh, uh, definitely a form of birth control that, that I think could in you know could in theory be one of one of the options that we use oh yeah for yeah, sure yeah, i mean yeah. if we put it into context um compared oh, i mean compared to pills or patches or mm. the ring uh it's a progestin only contraceptive so that is definitely interesting for mm -hmm. you know many women then it's a long acting contraception which is again very interesting for some women yeah it is for sure very effective right um and i mean yes there are harms but I think we all know IUDs have, I mean, oh, yeah. there are well, risks yeah, IUDs exactly. too. Yeah. I mean, things like losing the IUD, that happens also. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so overall, to be honest, I think it's it's an option that definitely should be uh, discussed with the patients for yeah. sure. And, and, and in just looking at the cost, it's about 300 and around 300 bucks for, uh, for the, for the, the next then on which lasts for three years again yeah 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 so. uh, for an iud that lasts for five years so in canada we got two of them we got the, the mirena and the kailina mm -hmm. uh they're about 350 and, and so. they and they last for at least five years yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. interesting no great stuff um anything else that you want to add mike or, or anyone no just uh, i thought that was a, a good coverage i think we struggle when we're the final editors for these things you know um with the fact of the limited evidence. And, and Nick, you, right at the very beginning, you said there's not a lot on birth control pills and just a lot of gynae in general or OBS. And that's because early on, we would not have even tried this um, because we would be disappointed with the evidence and abandon mm -hmm. it. And I think that over time, I've come to the terms that if we, if we don't like there's obviously some threshold of evidence we need before we're going to write a tools for practice. But if we set the bar too high, none of this stuff will ever get talked about. No. And I think it's, I think it's really important. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's important it, to know when there is not that much evidence. I think that yeah. actually answers an important question as well. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, you know, so no, that's great stuff. Is, it's good that we're getting these done more now, but they're from the old school editor, Mike Allen. It's very hard. They're more I frustrating. But no, I agree, Mike. And I think, I mean, topics like that, it, it's a topic we, we have to cover with patients every single day. Yeah, I know. So yeah, we have to address it. And I think we have to talk about it. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, no, no, yeah. great job. So uh, we'll, we'll uh, I'm sure we'll see more uh, tools for practice on these types of issues uh, as we, as, as Mike becomes a less, little less rigid as he gets older. Usually it's the opposite, <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah. As I become less irrational. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So, uh, anything else you want to? Uh, anything we need to sell? I know we'll, uh, Nick will will put a link to your podcast. And um, sure. Yeah. Uh, if not, if there's nothing else, I think we'll just leave it at that. So, thanks as always for listening. Talk to you later. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh -huh.